Okay, good morning everybody. So nice to see everybody. Let us learn Torah. So we have, again, we're going through the Shala archives. This is a Shala that comes up at least three, four times a year. Um, and that is, is pregnant woman entering the cemetery. So this happens all the time. In fact, sometimes it happens before the grandparents even know that there's a Shala to be asked. Um, so there'll be, unfortunately, Laura a funeral. And then, and let's say there's one of the granddaughters or daughters, granddaughters-in-law who is pregnant but not no, no, they haven't told anybody, and the question is, can she attend the funeral? This happens all the time. Best friend, this happens in other iterations with like best friends of the family and um, going, going to the funeral. Um, and it, 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 this comes up li- really, really many, many times. The two months, in the last two months, it's happened twice already, this, the, this, the, this question. So it just happens. The, 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 and the question is, is, is this just a, a superstition that we know that the pregnant woman shouldn't go to the cemetery, or is this or is something more to it? So, fascinating topic, fascinating topic. It turns out, you said to yourself, well, what is the issue? Like, what could there possibly be the issue? So it turns out, interestingly enough, that uh, there are four potential possibilities to think about. The first actually takes us through the realm of education. So this is a really important halacha that's learned in the Shulchan Aruch, and the Shulchan Aruch is talking um, about this in a Simon Shin Memgimel. So it's only, there's only one paragraph dedicated to this, but it's a very important topic. Here's, here's how it goes. The, the Shogarach says, Koton oichel nevelos. Let's say a child is eating something which is not kosher, right? So, ain based in Mitzvah nafresha. The community doesn't have the responsibility to stop that child eating something non-kosher, but, aviv Mitzvah ligorboi ulafresha mi isodoraisa. But the parent has the responsibility, if, if we talk about something just trafe from the Torah level, the parent has the responsibility to stop them doing that. This is not, they're not feeding them, but they're not allowed to allow them to even eat something which is trafe. And then the, if, the, if it's something which is the parent is certainly not allowed to actively feed it to the child. But one, the implication is, but they don't have to interrupt the child if the child is already involved. That's, that seems to be the, the, the framework, which is very fascinating. You can apply this to many different areas uh, in, in halacha as well. Um, where this sometimes comes up, and people have to be careful about this, is let's say the lights are on on Shabbos. You know? Sometimes people are trying to figure out how to resolve the issue. Some people just say, well, we'll ask the kid. That's, that's not, not such a good idea. The education, yeah, it's horrible. Um, but, um, because what you're essentially saying is, is that Shabbos doesn't really matter. That's a, no, so you can't really actively tell a child to, 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 to do something. Um, so, but let's say the child's doing it already, right? Do you have to stop them? So that may depend on whether it's an Issa Doraisa or Dorabana. That's what the Shulchan Aruch is telling us. Okay, so that's an educational, uh, an educational piece to be, to be aware of. Because sometimes people say, it's just a child, so what's the, what's the big deal? Now, it turns out that the Magen Avram, on his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, says, yeah, just an interesting observation. He says, it's true that let's say you have a child who's eating something which is Asr Midrabanon, so it's only a, a, a rabbinically prohibited. And technically speaking, you don't need to be mafresh. You don't need to, as a parent, don't need to stop them in this situation. He says, but there still is an, Im- an impact of what's called Tim um, Tumalev, which means that there's still a spiritual effect on the child. You may not halachically have to regulate them, but there is an, a spiritual impact on the child, so you have to consider that as well. This is an interesting observation where there may be situations which are technically speaking 
you know, speak, uh, you don't, there's, there's no ists or transgress, but there is a spiritual effect of, the, of, that, um, of that as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu was nursing. Correct. So Moshe Rabbeinu was nursing as an example. Exa an example now, interestingly, that was a unique situation um, as well, but, it, but that's an example of that. But there's other situations where one, let's say technically speaking, if one considers a situation and one had no way of knowing, as an example, <laughs> to hear about, all about these terrible situations where you have, you know, caterers or, uh, you know, restaurants, that, and these happen every few years, unfortunately, when there's not enough oversight in the cashless industry. And, um, and things happen, you know, meat, the meat costs a lot of money and they go to a non-Jewish vendor and they got tray fee meat. And so one of the biggest questions that's asked is not about the transgression that happens, yeah, so to speak, for the innocent uh, people, but it's the tim to malev, right? It's the spiritual impact of such a thing. Now, the re average consumer had no guilt. There's no guilt there, but there's, uh, there's impact. Yes, Eva. Um, good question. So I'm um, just trying to think of examples for, for a moment. I uh, would be, let's say, chicken and milk would be an example, right? So, so, so the, the Torah prohibits basar v'chalav, and so basar of is, is an extension, is an exera of um, that, that Chazal extended for that. So chicken, chicken and milk would be an example of that. Um, and there's other th cases where sort of the, the extent of the, of the Isra would be, uh, or um, I'm trying to think of other examples right now, just uh, blanking. Right. Um, um, yeah, that's that's would be less of an yeah, that's that's more of a practice than a, than a prohibition than a, that's what's called the isser of gavra where there's a prohibition because of avelus on me as opposed to actually the item itself right where the item itself is is uh, is, um, is is a concern. So uh, anyways, that, that, that would be examples of that. So fascinating. So I mean, so when the rabbanon were goes around this, I mean, so there's there's impact, there's import on that as well. Fascinating. Okay, so then at the end of the Morgan Avram, while he's on this topic, he says, wait a second. He says, let's talk about this um, observation. I, now that we're on education and spiritual impacts of education, he says, what about, he quotes the Rokach, which is a spiritual Rishon, a very Kabbalistic Rishon, who talks about um, the situation of an Ashes Kohen, the <laughs> wife of a Kohen who is pregnant, going to a cemetery. So that's, that, that, that's, uh, that's the situation. So you, you can see sort of where the topic led us to. And he says, in that situation, she may enter a cemetery. Why? He says, because it's a svek sveka, which means to say it's two independent doubts which we can apply in the situation. Because first of all, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Now, technically speaking, what was that? Yeah, so this is a good reason not to find out gender before birth. Good job. Good point, Dr. Heinegman. So uh, if, 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 let's say, one doesn't know it's a boy or a girl, a bas kohen does not have the prohibition of being, being metame, right? So that's, that, that's, uh, that's the issue is on the men who are kohanim. That's, that's suffix number one. And the other suffix he says is, and certainly um, in their days and even today, is you don't know if it's going to be a viable pregnancy necessarily. Right, so correct. So the so the Rakach says it's it's totally mutter. That's what that, that's what he says. Now, so this brings us to issue number one, which we're uh, which we're, which what's the possible issue is uh, is tuma for a kohen. So this is a very limited scope of a, pro, of a concern if that's the case, right, Eva? Should we talk about Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Uh, hang on, uh, we're not we're not there yet. Uh, so so at the beginning, right now, we're just uh, just talking about a uh, kohen. So this is just there's a lot of questions and observations to be made around this. Let's think about this for a second. So um, observation number one, which is worthwhile <laughs> noting, is 
Does is the Rokeh concerned about Tumor for a unborn unborn fetus? So it's interesting. So you would say, of course, he says it's fine, right? But actually he doesn't say it's fine. What he's really saying is it's fine because it's a sex faker. But if, let's say, like Dr. Honigman says, that a person they do the 20-week sonogram and they find a muzzle tov, it's a boy, then you no longer have a sex faker as an example. So you'd say it is a problem. So meaning to say, what he's essentially saying is, it is a problem, but it's all right. What about right? So, okay, but today we treat the kohanim like kohanim. We, and so kohanim treat the, you know, they don't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go visit the cemetery because maybe I'm not a... But that's a suffix. Mm. Now there's no question. Yeah, that no, that's not, not a suffix. It's not enough of a suffix. If there's no, there's no reyusa in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in their, their, li- their, their heritage line, there's no complications. We assume that, you know, if we allow them to... To say because Khanim Baraka because Hashem oh, is using Hashem's name. So we 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 certainly allow that. So we treat it in, in such a way. So 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 point number one is it's interesting to be, to, to note. And there are some points because the, 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 there's a topic which is addressed by interestingly enough, Dain Yitzhak Weiss, the Minchas Yitzhak, um, where he talks about this in um, in his the tenth Chelek, the tenth um, volume of his response in response to Membez in Membez where he talks about this and he says quoting this, that there was a postek who he calls Rabbi, uh, Rabbi uh, um, Rav Azariah Yosha, I'm not sure who that is, who says from here that what the Rokach is essentially saying is there is a concern, just as a sex faker to waive that concern. So he says, generally speaking, probably best to avoid. I mean, that's what he, he, that's what he learns from this. Other people say, no, no, but this Rokach says it's all right. Right, so in this, the, that, that's observation number one is, is the Rokach saying it's technically all right, but okay, in general there is a problem. The Morgan Avram asks a question, the Rokach. The Morgan Avram says that generally speaking, we have a notion of what's called tumor, um, uh, 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 sorry, a dover balua. What's a dover balua? Something which is completely ensconced in another item, right? So let's say I have a closed container, right? And, uh, and I take that closed container into a place where there's tumor. That doesn't affect that which is inside because it's completely sealed. Right, where the, 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 the Torah says in the Parashat Chukas, which is like, let's say, completely enclosed. So a fetus is completely enclosed. There's no, the, 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 the baby's inside. If that's the case, says the Morgan Avram, even if there is tumor, but the, ultimately the fetus has no access to that tumor, if that's the case, then why, why are you even raising the possibility of a sex says the Morgan Avram, because ultimately the, it, it is completely subsumed. The, 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 the way that Diane Weiss answers that is he says, that may be true when, I, when I'm dealing with, let's say, containers of two independent, two independent um, items. But here, what's the, the way that the, the Gemara refers to it is that ubar yerach imoy, which means to say that, the, it, perhaps to, to, to translate that, one would say is that a fetus is an organ of the mother. If you think about this, and this is like sort of almost an identity issue. Is sort of you know there's there is a fetus and it's starting to be active and and, and kick but at the same time it really it, it's essentially another organ of the mother's body taking the nutrients taking the energy of 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 the of the carrying mother which is a tremendous thing to think about right so that, that, that um, the sacrifice made by um, a mother you know during, during pregnancy and that being the case it's not it's not we'll call it one entity subsumed another entity is part of the mother so if the mother is becoming tame. Then, what, then written, technically speaking, the baby, as a function like the mother's hand would become Tame, so the, the, the baby, the fetus, would also become Tame, and therefore there is no, we'll call it t- Tuma Balua. It's not like one 
I, I'm, you know, person, you know, so speaking, like, you know, covered in a, you know, in a, in, 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 in a, in a container. This is the, it's the same entity. That's the Magen observation. Another question, which is also asked in this, is asked by the Nesiv Chaim. He says that, uh, uh, the following. You know that famously, if you read Maseches Parah, the Mishnah Asimah's Parah describes how they would prepare the Afer Parah Duma. So yeah, the, 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 what they would do is they found a red heifer. If you're reading the news, just two, three weeks ago, there was another one that was found. And it's always, this comes up every few, every, every few years. It's wonderful. Um, and we should be able to use it soon. But the, the, so if you have the red heifer, so the red heifer was the only way. The, it's, a, it's a choik. Like, how does this work? The Torah tell, tells us this works. This is not a logical piece of a part of the Torah. So Zos Chukasa Torah tells us, um, you take the red heifer, you shecht it, you burn it up, you use its ashes, you mix it in mayim chayim into this, this live water, so to speak, this clean water. That water is used to sprinkle on day three and day seven on a person who um, engaged in the highest form of tumah, which is tumas meis. That's, that, that, that's, that's how it works. Okay, so um, that being the case, the, the Mishnahs talk about the extensive, the extensive um, uh, measures that were taken to ensure that that water and that para were, were, were pure, absolutely pure. So they had, in fact, the way they were to retrieve that water became a whole business. So they would have, listen to this, Chatseros HaYubirushalayim, this is a mission in the, in the third parak of para. There were these, these courtyards in Jerusalem, Al-Gabe Sela V'Tachtem Chalul, so right, so like, like you said, they had these like sort of archways underneath the cliff, so, so to speak, this area which had no possibility of Tumah ascending through. So there's no danger of we'll call Tumasai to home, right? And about any, you know, burials or graves that you were unaware of. And they would have, so to speak, like almost like a, a settlement for the pregnant woman who come there, have their children in this village area above this, so to speak, Tumas safe area. And these children would be schooled there, and they would be the ones to get the water. So they would have these, uh, they, would take, they would ride upon these bulls, which had these boards above them, which would create a ohel, right, so to speak, to, to shelter them from Tumah. And they would go to the river, they would, in, in stone cups, because stone again is impervious to Tumah, raise the water, they would take this, and you saw this purest of pure water, never uh, having come into contact with Tumah, not the person, not the person who brought them from, from in utero. Which is fascinating because what do you see from this Mishnah? When were these women, uh, so to speak, you know, when did they have the ability to apply to be part of this specific village area above the, above the, the in the, the, the cliff villages? When? The Mishnah says, when they were pregnant. But wait a second, if when they're pregnant, that's too late, according to, <laughs> according to this. Because if, if you want to avoid tumor, but what happens if they visited a cemetery beforehand? Is the, is, the, is the question. And if that's what you're trying to avoid, then it sounds like we're not concerned about impurity when it comes to pregnancy. We're only concerned once the baby is born. That's what, that's what it sounds like. So why is the Rokeach saying, well, we need a sex sake? No, it's, it's, it's not. The mission is going to the nth degree of precautions to avoid this. And he says that, uh, that it's fine for the, app the applicants to have their children part of this or, or at the stage of pregnancy as well. Nachman, yes. No, 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 no. Up to 40 days. Up to 40 days, yeah, so. So what's the difference? 
No, take, take, yeah, but to, 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 so the Mishra, perhaps if the Mishra was concerned about this, the Mishra sort of said, uh, you know, people who are, you know, pregnant within 40 days, but like, again, who know, in those days, how did anybody, anybody specifically know? Um, so there, there is a gap between, so to speak, everybody knowing and, and being a viable pregnancy as well. So the, in, in that gap, are we concerned? It's not that the Mishra doesn't sound like it's concerned. That's what, that's what it sounds like with the Mishra, Eva. Please. My question, but if there's a Torah Aduma and it's such a rare thing and I found a 10 day certificate, I Good question. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, cloning animals seem, seem to have not been so successful. I mean, Dolly did not do so well after that experiment. So I'll mean, be just, just saying. But, but yes, but uh, it would be interesting. They haven't been doing it so much recently. They've been growing with different organs, right. you know, um, but they haven't uh, actually an, a full animal. There's genetic concerns. That's, that's what it seems to be. It was a big deal about 15 years ago, right, when they were starting to do this, but then it didn't, uh, didn't seem to map out. But that would be interesting. I, I think we first need the base of English to, to use it before we get to the next stage. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how, how many years it was, but you can imagine if you have the ash and the water, it's, it probably takes quite a while to do it. So it wasn't, I, I, I don't remember what the Mishra says, how many, how long the, the, the tenure was. Harry? We did seven yeah, very, very infrequently. So I mean, like, it's really a very long-lasting Thing, Baruch Hashem. Um, and, and again, how the spiritual mechanics of it is, is, is somewhat, this is, this is where Shalom Melech says, I don't understand this, how this all works, and that the fact that the person, Metaher, is, is Tame, very interesting to Erin Alacha. But nonetheless, you see from here, it doesn't seem like that pregnancy is an issue. So then in answering the Nesiv Chaim, the Minchas Yitzchak says, yeah, no, no, it's, it's not really a, such a good question on this, because in the end of the day, you know, like the applicants to this, the, the kind of women who say, I want my child to be involved in, in, in gathering the water for the Baratim, which is a big schuss, because you can imagine it's pretty infrequent. And this is going to now essentially be the gateway for all people who become, come in contact. Anybody who goes to a funeral has to now go through this process of Tara. If you want your child, your unborn child, to be, to, be, to, to be part of it, if you even think of applying for that, you're not going to the cemetery. Meaning to say, like, it, that, 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 that type of of um, parent is going to be very careful about where she goes. So the, the Mishnah is saying is, is, is she's, she's not going to just be visiting cemeteries because that's the, she's already subscribing to such a, a we'll call it narrow, so to speak, upbringing for the child, at least in the first years, to have the schus of, of that. So uh, that's Nesiv Chaim. So just passing, so we'll call it area halacha number one, which might be, might be of a concern, is when it comes to a Kohen, um, a, 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 the potential birth of a Kohen. Is that a concern? And there's a few observations in the uh, and, uh, in in the sorakach or the sekseka, and if one avoids one sekseka, is, is there is there such a concept? That's number one. The question number two is like you were saying, Eva, which is ruach ra, which is completely a separate thing. This the, this area is very limited to a kohen family. What about now if you're in a non-kohen family? So the rest of the regular proletariats, right? It's like myself. <laughs> so what what ha- what what happens in such a situation? So the, it's interesting that the Vilna God wrote a letter to his family. Um, at a certain point, he was trying to travel to Israel. Well. He didn't man- manage to get there. He wrote a letter back to his family and, it, and certain practices that he, he was begging them to um, to adhere to. And one and there's some very extreme things in there. If you ever read the Igeres Sagra, so it's uh, some serious, it's very serious uh, um, ideas and regulations. But he makes the following observation. I'll quote you the exact words. He says, He says you should try to avoid cemeteries. He's not talking to women. He's talking to everybody, right? Just in general, it's not a good idea to go to cemeteries in general. And in parentheses, it says, 
Nusach Acher, there's a, a, a text, which, a variant text, which says, He says that it's, there is a, there is a, there's, there's certain negative forces there which attach themselves, especially in this case, he says, to women. And it leads to, 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 to sin because there are some spiritual forces which attach themselves to a person. In fact, um, this is not this is not invented by the Vilna Gaon. The Gemara Brachos and Nun Aleph and Aleph tells us, and this is a very strange statement, but Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi says, so um, he, he tells us, Rabbi Yeshua Levi had many interesting interactions with the Malach Amaves, with the, 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 that agent of, um, of, of death. And um, the Malach Amaves told him three things. He says, Don't take your shirt from your attendant um, and, uh, and, and, and get dressed with it. Now, I don't have that problem. Um, <laughs> if you don't have an attendant, then, it's, then I guess we avoid that issue. He says, Don't allow somebody who's not washed their hands to be the one to wash your hands. Okay, so meaning if they have tumor on their hands, don't be the one to receive that. So these are sort of a little less frequent. And the third one is, Don't, uh, so to speak, stand in front of a woman who's just left the cemetery or just left Leviathan. It says, why? She says, why? I am in that vicinity. Interesting, uh, um, right? And I can create harm at such time. That's what the Malach HaMavis says. Now, You'll notice that that is not standard practice, meaning to say that, you, that we don't see that codified in halacha, but we do see it in the realm of, um, of, of, um, of pregnancy. That's where we are concerned, which is interestingly enough, meaning to say the Gwar is saying it in general, right? But we, we say, well, the place where we're going to be concerned about this is a woman in the state of pregnancy. We're concerned about that, those negative forces, in fact, Interesting enough, the Maharil says, and this is the source of a practice that we all do, is that when we leave the cemetery, what do we do? We wash our hands because it, it, we, we have now entered into a state of impurity, right? And, and there are forces that are there, so we wash our hands as we leave being in the immediate vicinity of the graves. What? What was that? And we don't hand. Right, there's, there's a lot of practices surrounding this. Where does this come from? The Maharil. The Maharil talks about this 800 years ago, and, uh, and this is the practice. So there is, there is something about cemeteries um, being being a place which is uh, which is uh, of unnecessary tumor. So that being the case, um, perhaps the con we uh, the, this concern is expressed in those who are most spiritually sensitive, mm -hmm. right? And when is the most spiritual sensitive time in life? Is the earlier on, right? In the same way that when when let's say you're you're building a house, when is the most sensitive time for mistakes? Not when you're choosing the doorknobs, but when you're making the blueprint, right? So. Meaning to say, like, let's say the contractor gets puts on the doorknobs wrong. Okay, so he, he, he was like, a, you know, he did his thing. So you fix the doorknobs. But if, let's say, the architect put, made a mistake in the blueprint, you're going to have real problems fixing that later on, right? Because, so the earlier on in, 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 in the system of, of we'll call it, of uh, expansion, the more sensitive it is. And certainly in utero, that's a, a stage where there's immense spiritual, spiritual sensitivity. So much so, I just want to go back to this as an interesting point, is that a lot of the spiritual thinkers talk about even, and just uh, just in a sensitive way, is, is thoughts of a couple at the time of conception even have an impact on the, the, on the, on, on the child as well, as in a shama, so to speak, is being tethered to this world biologically, which is just a very powerful thought. That's, that's the, so to speak, the earliest point in time. But it's certainly during the period of pregnancy, you know, in the secular world, they'll talk about classical music, 
right? And, 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 and all the, you sort of speak, the impacts that it has on, on the child in utero. In, in, in Judaism, we talk about the spiritual arena and their area. So that's one of the concerns that we have is that this, being, especially to those who are spiritual, spiritually sensitive, don't, uh, so to speak, um, um, expose a child to that. Yes, Nachman. In utero, also, isn't there an angel that accompanies the baby throughout? So maybe that leads to extra carefulness on the part could be it could be I've never heard enough from that perspective that's fascinating in terms of that that, that accompanying angel I don't know how the two interact in that respect but it does sound like they, that that we want to if for a regular person interaction with Tuma in, in the same way as like let's say the Tim Tuma Lave situation right so let's say I eat something which I didn't I didn't I, I it was it was not good even though I'm not to blame for it right it has a spiritual effect and that, what does that spiritual effect mean that spiritual effect will express itself in perhaps a lack of spiritual sensitivity, a slip up in the way that I act because I'm no longer, I've, I've damaged my, so to speak, my senses, or my, my sensors are, are, are damaged. I'm a little less spiritually conscious. So the, one wants to avoid that with a child as the spiritual makeup is developing to have any, so anything which is attached to it, especially at that early stage. That's, uh, that's another possibility as well. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, one could imagine exceptions being, well, if a woman is not with, let's say, if a woman does not enter the area of the graves, as an example, or does not enter, is not within four amos of the mace, or in a way that's, that's more distant from it as well. The third area, which is fascinating, and this is, this is talked about in, in the Chuvas Vayivarech David, um, Rav Harfinis has a very, very interesting observation where he says, he says, perhaps, there's another element to this, and that is Ayin Hara. Which is that is is that is it's a blessing to have children. It's a tremendous blessing, and there are many people who struggle with this in this area. It's a, a silent struggle. So if a woman is is visibly pregnant, as an example, and she's going to a large crowded thing, and everybody's like, "Oh, so nice, right?" And and that's that is wonderful. But there are some people who uh, it might be hurtful too and they're going to say well we struggled it was hard for us and unfortunately and those kind of comments are negative they, they have impact and so one wants to one wants to avoid so to speak public arenas in general um, to, uh, when when in this when in this in, in this realm now, this is something we're not used to at all because we're in a society which is very so to speak information transparent where everything is is uh, is is very clear all the time but perhaps this is a, this this would be another example of another concern. And if this is the case, and you may say today, well, today it's so you know today everybody's so out and about, and you know this this becomes less of an issue, right? This, this is less of an issue in general in society. But he did he does point out that certainly if a woman is there, therefore is not within the issues in the first trimester, this is, this isn't even a concern then, of course, right? Because nobody nobody's aware. Right, so it's not it's not obvious. So therefore, there's this concern. If this were to be the concern, there would be no there would be no no concern necessarily in early stages of pregnancy, which is sometimes when the question is asked because there, there's a concern about you know am I am I uh, um, am I allowed to do this and nobody knows yet. Um, the fourth area, which makes a lot of sense um, and um, is is discussed also in the Vayavarech David, and that is the area of um, emotional distress. So usually these questions are asked about somebody who's particularly close to a person who is niftar. It's, it's not usually like a friend's friend's friend, right? Because in that case, just don't go, right? It's usually I'm the granddaughter or the granddaughter-in-law or the great-granddaughter of somebody who the family is very close to. And assuming that's the case, and you're going to go to, to a place where there's going to be emotional distress, 
maybe this is just simply a health advisory, which is don't go to a time where you could have go into emotional distress, which could have health impacts on the child, on the, 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 the fetus which is in utero. That would be another, another possibility. And that being the case, says the Vayavarach David, there would be a great difference between, let's say, going on a unveiling, like a Hakomas Matseva, or a, uh, um, you know, a yard site, when that's not an emotionally charged um, experience, a different to, let's say, when it's a funeral, where that's very, very much a heavy, a heavy time, where there's a lot of crying, usually, and, uh, and pain. So that would be another, an, another, another aspect of this as well. So these are, these are perhaps four of the different areas that are uh, t- touched upon. Number one is Aishas Kohen, the whole backwards and forwards. Number two is uh, this idea of Ruach Ra, which is found in cemeteries, especially by those spiritually sensitive. Number three is, um, is Ayin Hara, is what other people say and comment or, 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 or think. And number four is the emotional distress that's related to this as well. So the question is, is so what do, you, what, do we, what do we do? What's the standard practice? So you'll, you'll, you'll see that like the, this is talk, not talked about explicitly in the Gemara and not in the Rishul Konarach. It's only talked about by the later Achronim. And you'll see that they say it's probably better not to, but just to give you a sense of, of the spectrum of, of what the boys can say. So for instance, Diane Weiss, who, who talked about this at the beginning, when he quotes this, uh, the, the, this topic, he quotes the, he quotes the, the, um, the, uh, the Trubas Arashba, who says that uh, when Nashim Tzidkoniois, when Zekeniois, when um, righteous uh, elderly women tell you that there is a practice, he says, you may not know why it is, but it's probably a good idea to listen to them, right? <laughs> so um, what may be called a Boba Misa in some places, he says, if there's, if there's grounds, and it's not just, you know, an anybody, but th- there's people who say this, then you should, I don't know precisely exactly what the issue is, but I'm going to be concerned about that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that to heart. That's what, that, that's what the, the Minchas Yitzchak um, suggests as well. Interestingly enough, um, the, um, the, in Rav, the, this Sefer, if anyone is familiar with the, these Sfarim, this is called, do you remember these Sfarim? Rav Shimon Ida who really set the precedent for all of this. In his two-volume two set of Hilchas Nida, he says the following. So he talks about, um, the, he's talking about another area of Halacha, which is um, um, in Isha Nida, at that stage entering into the cemetery. But then he actually says it's recommended, this is the language he uses, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have any footnotes on this topic. He says it's recommended that a pregnant woman should not visit the cemetery because of the danger to unborn child. So he's referencing the second reason that we looked at in in Halacha in, 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 in the Vayavarech David. And uh, then he says, but he gives a few exceptions. So he says that, that, uh, that one shouldn't visit the cemetery, but she may visit the cemetery if she's cautious, cautious not to stand within four cubits, which is about eight feet of a grave. Right? So that's usually manageable depending on the width of the roads, as an example. Right? So where, where, where it would be um, allowed where there's a distance, a proximity of a distance, and that would be related to the idea of the Ruach Ra aspect of it as well, which, uh, which is related to that. And then he points out a few exceptions. So he says the apostle can say that for the unveiling of a matseva or during the Yomim Narayim, one may visit, a, a pregnant woman may visit the cemetery. So these are examples where let's go into the fourth reason of the concern of distress. There's less of a concern. This is more of a unturbulent time. It's easier to, to access um, in, in that side, uh, side. And as well, this is a very famous question which comes up is let's say a woman is visiting, uh, visiting a Eretz Israel as an example and she wants to go visit Svat or Tveria, which is essentially, you know, um, 
the Jewish Baruch Hashem grave sightseeing, where you can get to visit the most incredible tzaddikim, um, all buried around the area of Tzvat and Tveria. And uh, and she wants to know, can I can I go in that situation? That's fine, as all the, he, he he says it's permissible to visit a cemetery in the graves of tzaddikim, and and that would uh, seem to be um, ignoring the ruach ra issue. It seems sounds like, but more of the concern of the distress aspect of it, and perhaps there's also less ruach, there's less ayin arava here because you're not going in large groups. It's just you know you, as you go by yourself. So these would be some of the exceptions. It's worthwhile noting. That Rav, uh, Rav Scheinberg, uh, in the Yadli Yodinus, is not concerned about this. He says it is, in fact, a Boba Meiser. <laughs> it's not to be concerned. And Rav Herschel Schechter says there's no concern whatsoever. There's nothing to talk about in, in terms of this. This is not a halacha to be concerned about. And it's worthwhile noting that if you look into this topic in general, um, in other cultures, you'll see that the Chinese Christian culture around Singapore and African cultures in Sub Saharan Africa also have such superstitions, and they don't seem to have been, you know, learned from Judaism per, per, per se, because right, they, they don't, uh, not so much exposure there, um, or cross-culturation, and so there, there is this notion in some other minority cultures as well, which sometimes is an indication that's more of a superstition than it is, uh, however, being as, uh, as, as there are, uh, there, there is a spectrum of those people, as, as we saw the Diane Rice says, Nashan said, Konios, we're concerned. We saw, we saw that uh, Rav Ida says that within parameter, one should, well, there, there are ways to navigate this in a way that is, that is, that is permissible. And it's certainly within the parameters, if, if, uh, uh, it usually comes down to a situation where if it's too distant a friend, right? So if they, I'll feel bad if, they don't, if I don't go and it's my, fr my best friend's, whatever it is, you know, I don't know if, that, if that's the end of the world. It's a family member. And you're not going to be there. That's very hard. That's that, that's very hard. There's certainly certainly what to, what to say in terms of relying upon this. And certainly, if one's one's not going to be immediately proximate, you know, um, to to uh, to the casket, to the iron, being around there, these things should, should be fine as well. Anyway, just a very fascinating topic with Allah, um, which comes up in Bezrash, and We'll have a few more next week. God